When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to the Conversations That Cool with Dermot Brereton. Do you have a mate that doesn't seem great? Maybe their team is up, but they're still down. A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You OK? Welcome to the Conversations That Could. I'm Dermot Brereton. This is a show where we talk to people from across the sporting landscape and discuss issues surrounding mental health, the struggles, the successes and ways in which we can all support each other through the challenges that life presents. Our guest tonight is going to take us into the world of an Olympic athlete, into the mindset that helps a sports person to succeed at the highest level with the expectations of their entire country upon their shoulders. This young man was the third youngest person in Australia to win an Olympic track and field medal at the age of just 21 at the Tokyo Olympics and the first Australian to ever reach the podium in the decathlon. It is my pleasure to welcome Ash Maloney to the conversations that could for Are You OK? Not that our listeners can see, Ash, but I see we find you in your car. Yeah, um, in my patrol, mate. <laughs> Have you just finished a training session? Are you out at the complex now or whereabouts are you? I'm at the complex right now. Um, the track's right behind me and I'm just um, in between sessions right now. So I decided to fit this in. I think... Talking about mental health is extremely important, and a lot of people don't do it enough. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Not that you've had any great deal of mental health, but how you've combated the weight of expectation. I can remember sitting and, and looking at some of the footage and just jumping out of my seat and, and knowing, as a 21-year-old for you, knowing that you've been inspirational to literally 25 million people. How does that sit on your shoulders? I try to not think about it too much, and... Um, it's actually a little bit of a rude shock because um, I de- actually just did a trip up in North Queensland and um, had an MC with me and he would say, who watched Ash at the Olympics? And I was expecting like one or two hands, right? Like you don't expect much, especially for decathlon. And then half the class puts their hands up. I'm like, I- I'm always taken back. And I'm like, it's hard to cop that. Like it's a bit weird for me still. When you say you don't think people are going to watch the decathlon, I can still, well, I'm old enough, I can still remember watching Daily Thompson in 80 and 84 and just as, as an ex-Australian rules football, which is a very random sport and you've got to have so much areas you've got to be uh, proficient in. We looked at the decathletes and I looked at Daly Thompson and thought, wow, that, that is the specimen of, of, of manhood, of, of absolute alpha male prominence in the world. That's the, that's the most dominant. And that was back then. And continually the, the, the race evolves. We get bigger and, and stronger and we run faster times and we throw sticks and lumps of metal further. 
all the way. So it, it's it's something that people, especially sportsmen, look to the decathletes as the they're actually the apex predator, aren't they? Yeah, especially blokes like um, Daly Thompson. I mean, he had that gnarly mo back in the day, and I think yeah. he still does. Um, <laughs> everyone who's done track and field in the past knows how difficult a decathlon is. But something that puts me off sometimes is when people who don't really know much about sports saying, oh, decathletes, like they're just average at 10 events. That ain't the truth, is it? I mean, you have a look at your 400 metres. You're two seconds off world record time and your best and you've still got another nine events to compete in. Uh, it, It is extraordinary how good some of these decathletes are. Some of them have made a fist of individual efforts through the years. Some of them have made a, a real fist of individual efforts and, and literally got there on their own back on, on one-off events, which are other people's specialties. Yeah, like um, blokes like Ash Neaton, Damian Warner, are like those athletes that can do individual events stupidly well. I can't exactly remember what Damian ran in the 100, but he got the world decathlon best, which was like a 10-1 up there with some of the fastest in the world. He would have, I think he would have medaled in the long jump at the Olympics with his jump into the decathlon. Yeah, in the long jump. Unbelievable, is it? Could they supersede that into the long jump and say, hey, mate, the, the actual long jump event, sorry, Damian Warner's just pipped you in the decathlon. You, you're back to a silver. Oh, they definitely should. I mean, <laughs> we do 10 events and we only get one medal. I reckon we should be getting 10. <laughs> it, ought to, yeah, it should automatically give you inclusion into all the others. But I'm looking at some of the decathlete events. I mean, they're completely random. So the javelin throw, what's that got to do with 1,500 metres? They're polar opposite events, aren't they? So while we're talking about mental health, the strength of the mind how do you prepare for something right at the end of the decathlete? You, you've been through the mill. You've been through the ringer. You've sidled up next to some of the world's very best athletes in nine events. And then you've got to front up for a 1,500. Each event, somebody's, you know, probably their history is dominant at. How, how do you mentally, can you psych them out? Can, can you, or is it all about yourself? Um, you can definitely psych them out. Um... And in my 1500, I've, there's, a, there's actually quite a bit of ta- um, tactics that you can't really see on TV. Yeah. Like, especially with the 1500 at the Olympics for me, I got boxed by five athletes <laughs> and I had to dart around and get out and do all this sort of stuff. But you can definitely get psyched out. I've been psyched out in the past and it's destroyed my chances to get into a world championships. Like, it's very easy for that to happen. So when you get psyched out, what happened on, on that occasion? Who who did what to you and, and how did it play out? Uh, the 1500s, my worst event, so I get psyched out very easily. But recently I've been pretty good, especially at the Olympics. But the last time I got psyched out, I went too slow. I was like dead set frightened to be in pain. Yeah. Did you want to say something for the for the for the final turn and, and then you never got to the final turn competitively no my head just wasn't in it like i just i got um so psyched out that i didn't want to be there <laughs> wow and that's the worst place to be what does that to you is that the toll of nine other events previously or is it your opponents is it what they say is it the crowd i think it's like expectations 
my coach has high expectations for me and that's fine. Like it's, it's fine for my coach to have high expectations for me. That's, that's cool. He always backs me as hard as he can, but it's when everyone else backs me, if that makes sense. And then you're seeing on social media, oh, he's going to go for this score. Oh, he's going to go for that. I'm like, you guys, let me chill. <laughs> Just let me go out there and do the sport. Hey, can I ask you, and you mentioned Damien Warner before, we see the world record holder, uh, Kevin Mayer, Ashton Eaton, all these blokes. We, if you look at each Olympics over the last two, three Olympics, you see these names come up again and again and again. So is there a game that they're playing within their own little brain space where it's a psychological game to them and they rival each other and then as one drops off through age, another youngster such as yourself comes along. Is maturity a part of this event? Yeah, massively. So that's why um, a lot of decathletes don't peak until they're about 27, 28, right? Because most decathletes would probably start around 17, 16-ish, like myself, and take 10 years to master a sport, right? Yep makes sense so 10 years later you're 27 and um you're trying to take on the world and that's exactly what these athletes are doing like they're just pumping through but obviously athletes are getting more and more talented and younger and younger and technology is just going through the roof recently but maturity is a massive part of just training being able to handle massive loads because decathlon is like not, nothing else right there's got to be that perfect mix apparently and then all that sort of crap <laughs> it sounds like you're still enjoying the ride, though. Yeah, I, I enjoy the the extreme complexity of it, and so does my coach. So I kind of let my coach do it, though. But I enjoy the um, knowing there's so much complexity and there's people doing it for me. So your coach, is he a bit of a mindfulness coach as well? Does he come to you and say, Ash... Warner's going to say this. Uh, Mayer's going to going to try and stare you down. Uh, these are all the aspects that are going to come at you, and this is how I want you to react. And this is before the gun even goes off, before you pick up the pole vault, before you throw the joke, before any of it. Does he give you instructions on how to mentally manipulate your way through this minefield? For Myself, I'm a confidence athlete. So if my confidence is high, I'm ready to roll. He honestly just fills my head with hot air. So he's like, Ash, you got this. You are going to run 10.3. And the, the funny thing is, like, my coach is extremely smart and he can predict pretty much to the millisecond or whatever what times we're going to run. So he'd be like, Ash, you are going to run 10.3. And long and behold, I run 10.3. He's like, Ash, you are going to score... Eight six eight seven, and I score right smack bang right in the middle. So if he turns around to you and says, "Ash, your head's not in this," what do you do? By that point, if he's saying that, we've already lost the decathlon. Um, <laughs> it's it's already a lost cause because <laughs> normally he says that when there's no coming back. Because in decathlon, there's always a chance to come back if you screw up one or two events. Yep. But if he says that, he knows there's no way you're going to come back unless you pull something massive out. But that rarely happens. But it has happened once. Now I want to drill down into some of the uh, the uh, disciplines in a second. But tell us a bit about yourself. You're a, a Queensland boy. Uh, uh, just outside of Brisbane? Yeah, I live at Browns Plains. I went to Regents Park State School and then I went to Browns Plains State. 
high school till year 10, and then I moved over to BBC for year 11 and 12. What's BBC? Uh, Brisbane Boys College. All right. For Victorian Melbourneian, I've got no, I thought BBC was a radio station in the Northern Hemisphere. Hey, uh, <laughs> I was fortunate enough, I did a little bit of a specialist coaching at a footy team called the Giants down in Sydney, AFL. And there is a lad who came along just at the end, and they said, he's an awesome athlete. We don't know if he can play or not. His name's Jake Steen. Stein, Steen, Stein. Uh, people pronounce it differently. Have you come across his path? He was a decathlete. My first nationals, I saw him there. I was too young to even mingle with the older boys then. But I saw him there. I think he was doing well, but I'm not really too sure. Yeah, I've met him once. Yeah. Briefly, I kind of brushed shoulders. Yeah. Well, he's oh, not that you're not doing well. He's uh, a path taken into another sport, being such a good all-round athlete. Big unit as well. An actual fact. Yeah. How tall are you? Uh, I'm 6'4", and I weigh 90 to 92 kilos. Yeah. Well, we can put a bit more on you when you finish with the Catholic, mate, and you can come <laughs> down and oh, I've got a spot for you at Hawthorne Footy Club if you'd like. Did you, did you ever play Aussie Rules? I did once um, in, in primary school, and I remember we had, like, a big team full of um, Kiwis and Marys and all that sort of stuff, and yeah. we just demolished everyone. That was one of the funnest team sports I've ever played. Well, if you had all the Islander lads and yourself at six foot four, you might have been pretty good above the, above the head and uh, taking marks and locks. Would you see yourself somewhere down the track? I'm not trying to influence you at all, mate, but somewhere down the track, could you see yourself crossing over into another sport? I mean, this Chalmers was an ex-footballer as well. His dad was a competent footballer, the, the Kyle Chalmers, the swimmer. Is there any dreams outside of the Catholic? Yeah, look, I would love to do AFL. I've actually really enjoyed that in the past, but 2032 is in Brisbane. Yeah. 2032 is going to be pretty cool. Home ground or whatever you call it. Yeah, home city, <laughs> home ground city, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, I'm going to go for that. Hey, if there's a spot open for me when I'm 33, <laughs> I'm going to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> there just might be, mate. If, you, if you're that good or athlete, there just might be. Uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit more about the psychology of your sport and how you've handled various areas within that. We're talking to Ash Maloney, and this is The Conversations That Could. Welcome back to The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? I'm Dermot Brereton, and our guest tonight is Ash Maloney. He is the first Australian ever to win an Olympic medal in the decathlon. Ash, our listeners don't get the benefit of seeing you. I've just seen a contraption on your arm. Talk to us about that and what it is and what you've done. So this is a, a like a hinged brace to stop me from extending to, I guess, zero. So I can only extend out to 30 degrees. And I did a grade two tear in my UCL in the second last event in Javelin in Tokyo. The Javelin. So I know that the world record is like, oh, geez, a caterpillar crawl underneath 100 metres. That's one of those events you're a little bit off that sort of area. So how do you go about it saying, how do I bridge that gap? How do I make that up? Is it something that genetically you might battle with or do you just have to climb that mountain and get over it? Javelin is an extremely technical event. It doesn't look like it. Like anyone can throw a spear. 
but no one it's extremely difficult to throw a spear over 50 meters and then it's even harder to throw a spear anything further than that yeah it takes a lot of technique and a lot of strain as well and that's exactly why i did my elbow i went for it as hard as i could gave it way too much mayo and um it just tore pretty much on the spot because i wasn't um efficient enough i see you your best is 58 meters yeah, measly 58 metres. Look, my coach says I could throw 70 metres one day, but look, i got to throw it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll come back from this and, and you'll put all the work into that arm injury there. How are you going to approach that, given that it's damaged you trying to throw as hard as you could already? Well, here's the thing, and this is a really good mindset that most athletes try to have we always come back stronger from injuries because you learn something every time if you are not making mistakes in track and field or any sport you're not getting better and that's just my opinion if you're not making mistakes and accidentally hurting yourself you're not going to get any better and that's how i think about injuries is it's just a mistake that you've made and now that you've made that mistake you're going to get stronger in that area, but you're also going to be technically better because you know that what you've done is wrong. And the coach is in your ear about the technicalities of that? Oh, yeah. And I'm actually, because my coach, Eric Brown, he's a multi-events coach, um, we're actually going to get some outside help from an l- awesome bloke named Mike Barber, Kelsey's Barber's um, husband. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well done. <laughs> Haven't gone too far from home there. And as a 21-year-old, you walk into the Athletes' Village at the Olympic Games you would see some of the great names of world sport. A 21-year-old walking in there, I can remember being like a 16-year-old walking into football club rooms and seeing a bloke like Lee Matthews, and immediately I thought, I ain't up to this standard. What on earth am I doing here? What's it like for a 21-year-old? And he walks into the village and sees these all-time great athletes. Well, here's the thing. Um... These are all the great all-time athletes, and there's there re, there's a reason why they are great. So all these athletes, they're extremely welcoming. Like everyone feels like they fit in. That's obviously why they're Olympians. Like they're not just great athletes; they're great people. Their competitiveness it it didn't rub off on you in the wrong way. I think I thrive when I'm um, under stress because I think I try and take advantage that I am stressed. And I've talked to my psych about this. And he's like, look, stress is a good thing. You're going to feel like you're scared. You're going to feel all these things, but that's just normal. You kind of just got to, I wouldn't say cop it on the chin, but if you know like what it actually means, it's a lot easier to take, to handle it. So when you win the bronze medal, and I'm 1896, the first, I think it was in Paris, the first Olympics, I'm almost old enough to have seen it, but no, I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> and we have never... In all the ensuing years when the decathlete was eventually formulated and come in, we've never won a medal in it. You are the first person in Australia's history to win a medal at the decathlon, a a bronze medal this time round. Does that put more weight on you? Does that make you feel wonderful? How how do you react to that? How did it make you feel? To be honest, I was actually struggling with the fact that I could not, might not be able to medal at the Olympics. Because every competition I've done, I knew I had a chance at meddling. Mm. Because in Australia, it's um, there's not many decathletes. So if you're doing reasonably well, there's a good chance you're going to medal. And I've only competed domestically. And then I've done one international competition, but on, I wasn't there to win. I was just there to have fun. But this one, I was like, you don't go to the Olympics to lose, right? I was at the Olympics and I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to medal. I, do I try as hard as I can? 
because I might not meddle, then I'll feel stupid. <laughs> I think um, I felt a sense of um, accomplishment. It was definitely worth trying as hard as I could. When you got back to the village and you see all the other Australians, when you get backstage and you see all the Australians, what's that moment like when they come to you and they just say, Hash, you did it. You did it. You you broke through. You've won the medal for Australia, the first one ever. It wasn't really like that because um, when I um, finished the decathlon, I had a drug test, as you do. Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, so I was actually – I didn't actually get back to the Olympic Village till like 2 or 3 a.m. So wow. I, it was kind of – it was – kind of peaceful after the, it was done and 2 a.m what what you get stage fright in the uh, in the in the test look mate um uh, when you've got to do a drug test um i'll explain it to you right you got to have your dax all the way down to your knees you know big boy wheeze uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and you have your shirt all the way up to your chest as well so so you can't um hide or conceal yeah yeah hide or conceal anything and then you got to piss in front of a normally like a 50 year old man <laughs> I've done a couple, so, Ash, in my time, and and they just had to stand sort of side on and fractionally behind. But what used to happen was they used to test us during night games, and they'd finish at about 10 p.m. at night. Consequently, there were blokes standing in there sculling litres of water, turning the tap on and running the tap, hearing running water, trying to get a shot away. And they they ended up two hours, and the, and the, the tester would have to – you know, find another time within 24 hours to go home with them and examine it and see it happen again. Yeah. <laughs> and the worst part is if you're guzzling gallons of water, right? If you're like already hydrated and it, you get the sample and it's it's pretty much just water because the gravity is too low or something, <laughs> you got to redo the test. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. No, and every time I do it, I feel like I'm going to blow a kidney because I get too much stage fright. I'm just going <laughs> to blow everything out. <laughs> now tell us, tell us when you eventually got somewhere near your teammates. I'm imagining it's the next day. What was what was the the welcoming party like? Oh, everyone, like everyone, um, was congratulating me, and um, it was a bit of a shock actually because I knew there was a lot of there's a lot of sports in the Olympics, and I wasn't expecting that much attention from the Australian athletes. I was kind of expecting, oh, you know, kind of congratulations here and there. But no, like everyone was there for me. And that's like a true testament to all the Olympians' character. There's a reason why they're there, and it's not just because they're good at what they do. Yeah, yeah. Hey, tell us, uh, of all in this current time, I still am yet to meet somebody who can talk to me and tell me about what it's like to do two weeks of quarantine. You're on top of the world. You get a bronze medal at the Olympics, the first one ever in in the discipline of of being a decathlete. You get home and suddenly they lock you away and you're in isolation for two weeks. How did you do it? Was it tough? Yes. Um, I remember the first couple of days was actually kind of, it was relaxing. It was good to get away from everything. And it was good to, you know, see the big, long brown snake of Brisbane River. It was weirdly relaxing at first because, obviously, it's been so full on six weeks leading in. And I remember getting to the hotel because I haven't had a chance to, like, cheer to yourself, right? Because I've been sharing rooms with people the whole time. I got into the hotel and I was like, yes! <laughs> I got third place. And that's I think that's where it really hit me. But then, like, after a while, I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm really feeling pretty isolated here. <laughs> 
especially because you couldn't really hear the outside world. I remember just getting out and I heard a bus go by and I was like, holy crap, that is so bloody loud. So all your, your senses were heightened because of because of the isolation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember getting out at 12.30 at night because I was like, as soon as the day turned over, you can leave. And I was like, I am getting the hell out of there. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, oh, these athletes are stupid, getting up at 8 o'clock to leave. Leave at 12.30, get the hell out of there. That's exactly what I did. 12.31, you were out of there? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so was there, for, for people who are actually going in and doing some isolation, they'll do two weeks of it, you know, quarantine isolation. Uh, were there any little tricks you did? Was there anything you would pass on to them to pass the time? Something that you might be readily be better with if you took into quarantine with yourself? I was pretty terrible in quarantine. I remember just feeling like I was staring blank at a wall and then suddenly it was three o'clock and I was like, oh my God, it's almost bedtime. <laughs> You've got to keep like a, a schedule. And I think I was really fortunate because I come straight off the Olympics. I had a ton of phone calls to do because um, radio interviews and all that sort of, and that kept me occupied. But also like I was on the phone to my coach all the time and, and to my partner and to my parents all the time. And just, I think keeping close contact with your friends and family made the biggest difference when I was in quarantine, not watching Netflix or trying to keep myself busy by exercising. Cause I remember I was on the phone for like two hours straight, just talking to my parents and I would never do that unless, yeah. <laughs> unless I was in quarantine. We're going to take a break in a second, but I want to ask you after the break about some of the, the psyche that goes on at the Olympics and how people either rally against it and succeed or how some might crumble. We're talking with Ash Maloney, and this is the Conversations That Could for Are You OK? Brought to you by Dare Ice Coffee. Dare Ice Coffee, a proud partner of Are You OK? More in a moment. Welcome back to the Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? Chatting with Ash Maloney, bronze medalist in the decathlon at the Olympic Games recently. Now, I'm really interested. I've had the privilege and pleasure of meeting Linford Christie. Now, Linford Christie was one of those 100-metre sprinters where he knew he was big, he knew he was good-looking, he knew he had a rig from hell. So when he he was a racer, wasn't he? He wasn't just a sprinter who ran to the other end for the best time. He raced and he mentally dominated opponents and he would pull the shirt down and just show the big rig as he was walking back to the line and the other athletes would look at him and chatting with Linford Christie showed me that there was a psyche to something which is such so basic as starting on a start line and running to the other end as fast as you can. There's a difference in the psyche of some sportsmen, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, decathlon is actually one of the most unique in that way so the 100 meters it's it's an angry sport right you've got to be aggressive you've yeah. got to get the mongrel out mongrel out but for us the mongrel doesn't come out into the 1500 wow 